At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour two of the nightcap alongside Sean King. I am Tim Murray. The NBA draft is coming up on Thursday night. Game number four of the Stanley Cup final tomorrow night. Can't wait. Sean's lightning trying to tie that bad boy up. We'll talk to Greg Wyshynski coming up bottom of the hour and his thoughts on game four and all things Stanley Cup final. But as mentioned, the NBA draft will be here on Thursday and while there may not be a ton of things to bet on in Vegas, that doesn't mean people across the country that have opportunities like DraftKings. Uh, there's a lot of offerings out there. And our next guest, well, he left us. He doesn't live here in uh, in Las Vegas anymore, Sean. He, <laughs> he moved to Illinois. He's in uh, he's in Chi-Town. It is Jim Root at Second Chance Points. Mr. Root, always a pleasure. How's the new digs? How's the new city? You miss us at all? Of course, I miss you. I was starting to think you were you were blackballing me. You weren't going to have me back because I abandoned <laughs> we were the desert. But no, we were yeah, well, that's fair. It's debate. Uh, no, we got to get it's his great. background uh, right, though. I mean, it looks like he's in, that? Get that looks air, like he's in look, prison. Can you, like. Look at the air vent up there. Can you like? Can you right, put guys, something right. over the air vents? Come we on. Want the, the upside down Mizzou flag. That's what we need to get that back to to represent where I'm at. But no, I'm I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it was a, a a good move for my life. Uh, but I'll miss you guys. I'll miss you be, being there in person. Hopefully, uh, I'll get a couple times throughout the season, maybe a little bit in the offseason, too. I'll, we'll, I'll sneak into the studio and bug you guys. And we'll make a trip out there, man. We got to get some of that good deep dish. Mm. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I'm down. I'm down. I'll be in uh, I'll be uh, Milwaukee's like uh, an hour away. I'll be there uh, a couple weeks. So, all right. Let's let's uh, let's get into the uh, the nitty-gritty. The, the number one overall pick market for the NBA draft has been fascinating because it's just been moving like a roller coaster, you know. Paolo Boncaro was 20 to 1 on, I think, Saturday, 9 to 1 yesterday, and then moving like crazy, got as low as, I think, I want to say plus 200. And now you're starting to see a little pushback here. And Jabari Smith, he went as low as, I think, minus 135, back to minus 225. So I can't get a full grasp on this. You know, different people you read, Sam Vecini, you know, Jonathan Gavoni, they all believe it'll be Jabari Smith. But there's no really concrete evidence or leaks coming out of the Magic Camp. So, what is your take on who ultimately goes number one? And is there a bet out there that you'd be willing to to fire on 
when it comes to the number one market? Yeah, I think it's going to be Jabari Smith. I, I think the the pushback of the market has maybe not surprised me in the sense that I thought Bancaro should have been the number one pick. And I think even back in May, I came on and, and we talked a little bit about these odds. And Bancaro was like nine to one to go mm-hmm. uh, number one. And I thought that was crazy. I was like that early in the process. I can't believe the magic or that settled in on Jabari at this point. So I, I thought Bancaro was worth a swing there. And it just kept going away, going away, going away from me. And I, I was like, okay, someone knows something. So to see it swing all the way back this severely really makes you think something's going on. But I, I think the Javoni report that uh, he hasn't even, Bancaro has not even worked out for the Magic yet and has been pushing back workouts because he doesn't think that they're going to take him, doesn't even think it's worth his time, maybe wants to get to a Houston fit where he wants to play and, and play with Jalen Green. So I, I think it's more kind of some leading up to the draft drama that has got the odds back where they are. And I, I think it's going to be Smith, though. So I, I I bet it at minus 210 that it's going to be him. It came all the way back to there. I, I thought it was worth it just because I don't really buy the Ben Caro smoke, even though I like him more as a player. Yeah, and, it, and that's a discussion we've been having. And when we talk to the NFL draft, it doesn't matter what we think. It's ultimately mm-hmm. what these teams think. I thought it would be Jabari Smith. And then the steam was interesting, but... You kept looking around, you're like, where are these reports coming from? Is there a prominent uh, NF- NBA draft guy saying that it could be Boncaro? Nobody was, the only thing was this, it, there was no concrete evidence it was Jabari Smith. And it's interesting, the show started, Jim, and DraftKings had gone to minus 225. We've been on the air for an hour, it's now minus 250. The market is just bizarre, and it's just going all over the place. And I think, you know, if you could have got it anywhere, and I, saw, I saw Sam Vecini say this, he said, you know, Minus 160 would have been where his, you know, high buy point would have been, you know, the peak. And now we're at minus 250. But I agree. I think it is ultimately, uh, ultimately will go Jabari Smith. Is there, and this isn't really something to bet on because all three of these guys aren't even, you know, over-unders. But do you think, from everything that you've read, there's a potential of a curveball of Smith, Holmgren, Ben Caro not going in the top three? Could anyone, in your opinion, sneak in there I know there was a little smoke that maybe the Thunder liked Ivy. I'm not buying it. I think those three go top three, and then, as people have been saying, the real draft starts at four. Yeah, I think that's what it is. As much as I'd like to see some crazy drama pop in there and and give us a major curveball on draft night, I don't think it's going to happen. That top three's been fairly locked in for a while now, and there is love for Ivy, um, and I I think the Thunder probably do like him, but Holmgren's such a perfect fit for what they want to do with playing five out having a guy to protect the rim that also can shoot. So I, I think while they might be tempted, uh, they're going to go with Holmgren there, and then uh, the top three will play out basically as we expect. And I think Ivy's going four. I just don't know who's making that pick. That's that's the big question right now, Tim. By the way, by the way real quickly, yeah. apparently ESPN had a mock draft tonight, uh-huh. and Woj picked Jabari Smith one, and that has completely shifted the market. Oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> I, I guess my question for Jim is, if you took everything into account, and me and Tim had this conversation earlier, if I read the Magic, I think all three are really good players. But from a box office standpoint, which name, if we announce it on Thursday, creates the biggest increase in season ticket sales? Like, what gets the fan base motivated, excited? Uh, what would you do if you ran the Magic? I, I I get that angle, but it's probably a little short. So, like, if you're be- picking number one, you've got to be – if you think one of these guys is generational, you've got to take him whether that excites the fan base or not. Like, 
I think you could probably say Luca wasn't going to excite the Arizona market as much as a guy out of Arizona. They take Aiton, and I bet they wish they had Luka Doncic. I bet their fans wish they had Luka Doncic. So I, I wouldn't want to be influenced by the first season sales. Uh, I think Bankero is the most like ready to elevate a team and, and pull them out from the depths. And I think there's some some whispers that that GM group and, and front office needs to start turning things around, at least pointing it upwards. So Bankero, I think, would have been the, the, the one that could raise the floor. But it sounds like they want to take the swing on Smith. I know John Hammond, who works in that front office, was at, with the Bucks and always loved length and, and some of the defensive potential. And that's really where Smith shines, uh, his versatility on the defensive end. So I, I think that's where they'll land. Despite that, I agree with you that the Duke name, Paolo Bancaro, is you know, the higher-rated recruit out of high school. He probably would be the one that, that gets people excited uh, more from the initial jump. But you got to go with the long-term view and, and, and take Smith there if you think he's the guy. And I, and I guess my context that I should have added to that was that I have relatively the same grade on all three. I mean, I think they're all going to be really good players. I think Paulo probably is the one that fits in the most different situations. You know, I think Jabari, even if he doesn't turn into an offensive juggernaut, is going to be so good on defense and rebounding that he's going to be a, a, a key player. And, you know, Chet's seven-footed can shoot. That's never going anywhere. You know, so I just when I look at that Magic roster, Jonathan Isaac, high pick. What they, what what is he? Mo Bamba, high pick. What is he? You know, Jalen Suggs, and he's okay, but you know, he's, they got some high lottery picks there. We still don't really have a feel for. So it'd be interesting how this thing goes Thursday. Yeah, and Ben Caro's like he's almost like he's getting punished because he's so built already, filled out. Like you don't have to project his frame at all. He. People are saying, like, he is who he is. I don't agree with that. Just because he's physically developed doesn't mean he has a lot of upside. So I, I think he'll be uh, continuing to get better, and I, I'm with you. All three are going to be great. Sorry, Tim, didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, and and no, I, I agree. I think we've been saying the same thing, you know, for the majority of the time. All right, let's get to some other uh, the bets that you've made. We're talking to Jim Root at Second Chance Points. Check out Three Man Weave, as always. Uh, a guy that's been rising uh, quite a bit here. And Sam Vecini had him going eight today to the New Orleans Pelicans. Usman Diang, who played in the uh, what was it the is it the NYBL the uh, the the league over in uh, I think it was the Australian league. Uh, but he's been moving a bit. His odds have moved. Uh, yesterday it was thirteen and a half over under DraftKings. Now it's eleven and a half. He's now plus one twenty five to go in the top ten. So. Is there too much smoke on uh, on Usman Diang out of France, or are you riding with uh, with this movement? I'm kind of buying it, uh, and I'm not going to bet the the top ten with with the plus money because I want that eleven slot. Uh, the Knicks are there right now. I don't know if they'll remain there. I think they're going to be uh, try to be active with whether they can offload some salary to get in the Kyrie Irving mix or, or whatever they're trying to get to. Uh, so I'm not positive who'll be in that eleven slot, but I want that for this Jang bet. Uh, I saw Vecini slot them, uh, slot him eighth. He just said on his live show earlier tonight, he thinks eighth is his ceiling. Mm-hmm. So you're hoping he goes eight, nine, 10, 11. That would be the, the four pick range. You really have a shot, but I'm kind of buying it. He played a lot better late in the season. Uh, wasn't really looking that good for the first half of the year, but he really came around and started to show the development that you want to see. And, and I think teams in that range could be intrigued enough to take a swing. The Spurs uh, always trust their own development team. So if they see the high ceiling, I could see them going for him as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I took the under 11 and a half there with Usman Jang. Yeah, and it's it's moving. It's starting. The juice is moving. Uh, the juice has now moved uh, to to being the favorite to the under. I, I agree. I, I think 
And, and with all that being said, and, and and like always, we'll keep Jim for two segments because, well, I mean, where else is he going to go? I mean, we just kind of. Forced. I'm in prison here. You said yeah. I can't go anywhere. Yeah, he's got nowhere to go. <laughs> he's not allowed to go out in the yard for another thirty minutes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do want to get to because you know we, we talk so much about the risers, but with that, there's fallers. So there's there's got to be some overs to look at, and I think overs is where maybe you can make some money because a lot of these prices right now in DraftKings are juiced to the under, and maybe there's some money to be made on some overs. So we'll take a look at some players potentially falling, some plus prices out there. Jim Root, our good friend, now in Chicago. We miss him here in Vegas, but hanging out with us for another segment at Second Chance Points. That's Sean. I'm Tim. More draft talk coming up next right here on the Nightcap. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. We'll talk some Stanley Cup final coming up 15 minutes from now. Greg Wyshynski, senior writer from ESPN, will join us. But for now, let's keep the NBA draft going of course, that's Sean King. I'm Tim Murray. We talked uh, about a riser in uh, in Diang, the, uh, the the man, the young man from France who played over in Australia or New Zealand, somewhere in that area uh, this past year, and he's he's rising a little bit. Another name that I felt like was was really high, and now now starting to drop a little bit. Dyson Daniels. He played in the uh, in the G League with the uh, was it the G League Ignite team, uh, the, the the young up and comers. Yep. Uh, his over/under at DraftKings right now is seven and a half, and it seems like seven has been mocked a lot. Portland there at seven, but then you look at Jonathan Gavoni today at ESPN, and he had him going eight. Right now, you can get uh, Dyson Daniels, uh, I believe, at DraftKings for plus one forty to the over, over seven and a half. So is this uh, is this a guy maybe dropping a little bit? 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to like plummet or anything, but this is a little bit of a price-based bet too where I think it's more coin flippy of whether he goes in that seventh slot. I, I don't really see him going five or six ahead of there. Um, but seven, I think, has been a big spot for him because he fits pretty well with Lillard and with Anthony Simons as maybe he's not a big-time shooter, but he can cover a lot of their defensive mishaps. He's a huge guard. He can create, move those guys off the ball for a little bit if he needs to. But I don't know if Portland's going to be there at seven. I know they're poking around at the fourth pick, potentially looking to get up. Maybe they could trade back a little if they don't think Daniels uh, is going to go between where they could trade back to if they, if they think they could still get him at 10 or so. Um, so it's more really a bet that, like, I think there's a coin flip shot. He goes seventh, and I don't see him going ahead of that. So I'll take the over at the plus price and and expect him to to get down to eight or nine and uh, take collect my winnings, even if it is a, a narrow victory. And Jim, I know this isn't a bet that you've made, but I'm curious your thoughts on this prospect because he's been getting a lot of buzz lately, and I've seen him in top tens. Uh, right now, his price to go in the top ten is plus 150 at DraftKings, over under 12.5, very juiced to the under at minus 170. Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. Um, you know, for you, what you do on a daily basis throughout the year is, is look at college basketball. How do you look at Jeremy Sohan, and does it make sense for you why he is starting to rise a little bit? And I saw uh, one mock today over at <clears throat> CBS that had him going as high as eight uh, in the draft. Yeah, I mean, the, he's like, I don't want to say he's perfect defensively, but like he, he can do everything on the defensive end. He's got size. He can defend up the lineup or down the lineup. Like he can switch on to guards or he can battle physically with the big guy for short stretches if he needs to. He's smart. He really rotates well. He's got good feet and good hands. He's disruptive. So like kind of a, a elite defensive prospect. If he had any semblance of a jump shot, he'd be even higher. Uh, but he was sub 60% from the free throw line, sub 30% from beyond the arc. And I don't know how projectable the form is right now. Uh, so it probably takes a team that's really confident in its ability to develop uh, to get him and and see that you can convert him into a competent offensive player. But he cuts well. He kind of moves the ball. He's a smart connector. Like he doesn't just stop the ball when he catches it. He He finds the next guy, keeps the ball moving, keeps the defense rotating. So I like him. I don't love him. I know there are some people in the, the realms of draft Twitter that love him. Uh, I'm not quite there, but um, he, he is a guy that could maybe sneak up to that seven spot, and I'd be quite all right with that considering the, the Daniels bet that I have. It's funny because uh, I pulled him up his highlights, and his first two highlights of him knocking down a three and a uh, fadeaway <laughs> jumper. <laughs> don't believe it. Don't believe that. It's, oh, it's That's all the beauty of highlights. Beauty of highlights. Uh, we're talking to uh, talking to Jim Root. Well, a guy that you know well, uh, being a Duke fan, Mark Williams, uh, defensive force. And everyone who watched the NCAA tournament saw that happen. Uh, maybe don't turn on the uh, ACC tournament and uh, watching him get absolutely torched by a bunch of uh, future European basketball stars from Virginia Tech. Uh, but Mark Williams is interesting, sitting at 13, a true center, but you know, uh, uh, certainly a rim protector, but. You know, in this day and age, you know, the price point of a of a center kind of seems to drop. So I've seen some mocks have him 13. Uh, I was looking at, I think, Sam Vecini's at, at 18. His over-unders, 13.5, juice to the over at minus 155 right now at DraftKings. Mark Williams from Duke, where do you see him ultimately landing? Yeah, I'm, I'm laying that juice. I'm going to minus 155. I'm okay with it. And really, here's why. Like, you mentioned the positional value thing. 
I'd be shocked if two non-shooting centers go in the top 13, given the way the NBA is trending. And I think Duran is pretty clearly ahead of him, or at least for most people, the, the Memphis prospect. So he would Williams would be the second one off the board. And the Hornets, I think, make a lot of sense for him in that they are at pick 13. Mm-hmm. But they also have pick 15, and Cleveland is in between them. And I don't think Cleveland is going to look at a center. with uh, They just gave J- Jared Allen $100 million. Evan Mobley is a kind of generational-type prospect, he, he looks like, after last year. So I think anybody that's a big guy that they could get at 13, they'll know they can get at 15. And that's why I'm pretty comfortable laying the juice and expecting that even if the Hornets take him, He's gonna gonna be there at 15, and you mentioned Bassini mocked him to uh, the Chicago Bulls today, and I think that's a really good fit, defensive guy to help cover up for Vucevic as more of a stretch big, and so I actually did bet that as well, uh, 25 to one that Mark Williams will be the pick to the Bulls at 18. I saw some rumors they were looking at Gobert, uh, or at least inquiring, and he's kind of like the the you know the the baby Gobert. He's a big time shot blocker. His dimensions are nearly Gobert sized. So I think it'd be a great fit for them. And I'll, I'll take that, that 25 to one flyer on him. Well, it's so funny. We talk about how there's just not a lot of, not nearly as much of information on the NBA draft as opposed to the NFL draft. Right. right? And there are a couple people who are really well respected. Sam Vecini being one, Jonathan Gavone. We've mentioned all of them. Sam Vecini's mock comes out, as, as Jim mentioned. Jim was able to get 25-1, to 1, Mark Williams going to the Bulls. It is now 8-1. to 1. <laughs> one mock <laughs> shifted wow. it from 25-1 to 1 down to 8-1. to 1. I mean, it is such a volatile marketplace uh, when it comes to that. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tricky one. Uh, a guy that, well, the name looks recognizable, but there, I, there is no relation to the two-time MVP, Nikola uh, is it Jovic? I don't know. It's not Jokic. There's no K there. Jovic. Uh, there's a matchup with him and EJ Liddell from Ohio State, uh, and it has now moved quite considerably since you bet it, Jim. But who do you think ultimately in this matchup gets drafted first, EJ Liddell or Nikola? Don't call him Jokic. Jovic. Yeah, I, I think it's Liddell. What's what are the current odds, Tim? I well, didn't even minus see it. Minus one eighty-five now. So this has moved <laughs> sixty-five cents in favor of EJ Liddell. Yeah, I mean, I, I always thought it would be Liddell. I was surprised it was priced where it was. I mean, Jovic is a guy that I've seen, like, back into the first, kind of 27 through 30, if he's going in the first round. Whereas Liddell, every once in a while, you'll see him pop up in the, the high teens. Uh, in early 20s, I think somebody like Milwaukee at 24 would be happy to get him. Uh, even Memphis, Philadelphia, like, guys or teams that really want someone who can contribute right away. And that's who's in those 20s. I think they'll take the the look at him because he's he's ready. He's a great defensive prospect. He's a, he's a good help side defender and shot blocker. The jumper's coming along, and it, it, he he improved it a lot this year. Uh, but I think he's going to be a, a good fit for a playoff team, whereas Jovic is more of the, the project, somebody you want to take a swing on maybe in the second round. Uh, you can kind of finagle the, the, the terms of the contract to, to how you want to make them advantageous. Uh, whereas the first round ones are, are locked in on a scale. So, I, yeah, I like Liddell over Jovic quite a bit. And obviously the, the market has wisened up to that as well. Yeah, I was one that thought Trevor Keels should have stayed in school. What are you hearing about the Duke wing player? Uh, yeah, it's just the, the he was so spotty offensively this year. I mean, he was a really solid defensive uh, prospect and he's he's strong. He's stout. So like he can actually defend you with his chest, take a drive and and, and really bump you off. 
but he had that huge game to start the year, and if maybe he, he had sat out the rest of the season, he'd probably be a lottery pick. Uh, but I think a lot of the, the offensive warts showed up as the season played out, didn't knock down shots at a high rate, and couldn't quite get into the lane as consistently as he did early. Uh, so I'd expect him to go, you know, 29, 30, around two, uh, likely drifting into round two. I think that seems to be the consensus for Keels at this point. But you can get plus 450 on I'm him to go, go in the first round? round? Yeah, it might, ah. be worth, might be worth a little bit of a flyer. Real quickly before I let you run, you're from uh, Milwaukee, and uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Uh, certainly uh, got to give him some love for playing for his dad, but it was a disaster of an of a year uh, we got 20 seconds. Does he go first round? Because you can get plus 175 right now on him to go first round. I don't buy it. I, it seems like he just was so bad defensively this year against Horizon Guards that he'll he'll fall. But if somebody ignores that tape and thinks about his EYBL and Phoebe U19 tape, I can see him. He's a 6'10 shooter. So I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't take the plus 170, but I couldn't blame you if you did. That's Jim Root, the pride of Chicago now. We'll talk some hockey right next. Out of the shot. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. This is the Nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network. You know, sometimes you just, it's better just to give up. Yeah. That's what you did on uh-huh. the first five under in the Diamondbacks Padres game. Sean had under three and a half. It was two to one, what, two two innings? Yep. Two to one through reverse, five. Reverse psychology. That's a winner. That's a winner for that man. And hopefully that will be the case for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Of course, Sean, a big believer, big fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning, put his money where his mouth is. And our next guest, I don't know where he put his money uh, on this series. He's still seething off the Rangers' loss. Ho- hopefully, Greg Wyshynski uh, has been playing some overs in these uh, in these series. Senior writer from ESPN and has been a frequent guest on our show all throughout the playoffs. Uh, it is Greg Wyshynski who joins us right now. Greg, Game 3 goes to the Lightning in impressive fashion. Does that carry over to tomorrow? Do we see this series even at two games apiece heading back to Denver? First of all, as anyone who watched Daily Wager knows, Tampa Bay Moneyline, Andre Palat to score a point. Woo! Two big winners, two big winners for game three from your boy. Um, I, listen, I, I am, I am uh, very optimistic that this is going to go back to Denver tied 2-2. Um, I think the Lightning, when they're at home, play with a confidence that you you know don't see when they're on the road. You can you can see it reflected in their defensive numbers. Um, you know, coming into the game in Game Three, they were averaging two goals against per game, and that's exactly what we saw in Game Three. Um, and, and again, like the biggest thing for me in that game, and the biggest difference between what we saw in Denver was the start. You know, like they talked a lot about. If we can get to our game, we're confident that we can mitigate their speed, that it's not going to look as lopsided as it's been. And um, there was some proof of concept of that. Like, because if they're not trailing by two goals after 10 minutes <laughs> and they actually like, leave the first period with a lead, they're pretty good. And, and so I, I expect more of the same in game four. Who, who knows with game five? But I, do, I'm, I am optimistic that we're going to have a 2-2 series after game four. You know, uh, Braden Point uh, actually missed this game, and the Lightning looked better on offense, which is surprising because <laughs> I think Braden's the only one that skates with the same juice as the top 
Avs guys, what are we hearing about points availability for game four? And are maybe they just more comfortable right now without him after playing without him for so long? Dude, Riley Nash is the key to victory. Get him <laughs> in the lineup. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Braden, Braden's probably, listen, he's, he's still banged up from the lower body injury he suffered on May 14th in the, in the Leafs series. He tried to come back. There were times in game one where I thought he looked like himself skating really well and skating through the defense. Game two, he was kind of a non-factor. And, and so I think they probably made the decision, hey, look, you know, as good as he is, if he's not, you know, 75%, then, then we don't need him in the lineup right now. Give him some time to heal up. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll take our chances with the lineup that we know won, you know, every home game they played without Braden Point in the Florida series and the Rangers series, and lo and behold, they win again. Listen, at the height of his powers, he's one of the best players in the series. At a diminished capacity in a series where speed is at such a premium, to have somebody who struggles with skating at this point because of his injury is not going to help them. You know, interesting. Uh, Vasilevsky looked extremely shaky in game two. Actually looked shaky at the beginning of game three. Got a favorable overturn on the initial goal. What do you think the Lightman goaltender is heading into game four? So I, I thought he played really well in the last 40 minutes of the game. Um, it still feels like he's fighting it a little bit. He, he doesn't look as confident as we've seen him be in, in previous playoff series. Um, the, the goal that, that it got overturned was a real changeup. I mean, it was kind of like a flub shot that kind of beat him. The, the second goal, the, the, the first goal that did beat him, though, the Lannis Cog shot on the power play was one he probably wants back. Um, the, the interesting thing about Vasilevsky is that like, he has bailed this team out so often in the last two years that in talking to some of the players after game two, especially Steven Samkos, I almost feel like there was a rally around our goaltender vibe in the sense that like, Hey, you know, he's bailed us out so many times in these two cup runs. Let's like return the favor. And, and if you watch the way the lightning played in game three, they were a lot more responsible with the puck. They had a lot of more, a lot more defensive coverage in uh, their own zone to give support uh, when, when the avalanche would get chances. And, and most importantly, there was a lack of odd man rushes against Vasilevsky, like we saw in the uh, previous two games of the series. So it may be a situation where they know that he doesn't have his fastball right now and that they're kind of rallying around that to, you know, make sure that they protect their goalie a little bit more than they, than they did in the first two games. Uh, Greg Rosinski, ESPN senior NHL writer here on the nightcap Speaking of rallying around, I know you made a joke about Nash, <laughs> but six goals, six different Lightning players score. Can the Lightning continue this kind of offensive production by committee approach and win this series, or do they really need Stamkos, Kucherev to step up and play on the same level as these elite Av skaters, McKinnon, Maker, and the group? Well, first of all, Riley Nash did not score in that game, sir. So uh, the, 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 the joke, the joke stands. The joke stands. No. So one of the really interesting dynamics in Game Three, and we're going to see it again in Game Four, based on everything I've heard today, is the fact that the Avalanche now are dealing with some injuries. You know, Nazem Kadri remains out of the lineup. He's not played uh, in this series. Um, they expect him back at some point, but I don't think it's going to be in Game Four. 
And Andre Costa, really, really important player for them in the first two games of the series, uh, scoring goals, powering, helping to power their second line. Uh, he missed game three, expected to miss game four. And if you look at their second line without him, it, it got rolled a little bit in game three. It was not very good. Um, part of the reason the Lightning had been so good at home is because of line matchups. And the line matchup they were able to get in game three was getting the Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov line away from Nathan McKinnon's line, get them out there against that second line with Miko Rantanen more often. And the results were pretty stark. I mean, they were able to generate offense uh, and do some good things. So the lineup situation right now with the Avalanche with their injuries, I think is a real big factor in this series, at least through game four. And then we'll see if maybe they can get them back for game five. Darcy Kemper, the Avs goalie, was pulled. Uh, of course, Vasilevsky was pulled in game two. He played his best game the following game. Is Kemper made with that same kind of mental toughness, or do you think the Avs are really considering going with Pavel Francu in game four? Well, first, first Vasilevsky wasn't pulled in game two. They kept him out there for all seven goals. <laughs> like they, they just kept him in the game, and that's because they figured, uh, and John Cooper said that, like, one, he wouldn't want to come out even if he tried to pull him, and two, that the best thing for, for the lighting was to keep him in the game. I think they kind of thought that if they put Brian Elliott in the game, it could have been even worse than seven goals for the Avalanche. <laughs> With Kemper, the, so here's, here's where I am on Kemper. I'm not a real big fan. If, if you talk to people within the goalie analytics community, there's a certain amount of like living on one's reputation with Kemper that, that tracks back to his years with the Arizona Coyotes when he was the best thing on a bad team. There's no question that he played really well in the second half of the season for them. I don't necessarily think he's played all that well in the playoffs for them. And in picking the Avalanche to win the series in six, as I did, one of the reasons I thought they could win is that they would switch goalies. Now, I don't think it's going to happen for game four. But if they lose, and I think they will, it would not shock me to see a goalie change for game five when they go back to Denver. Yeah, and one of the more frustrating things for me, uh, Tim and Greg, was in games one and two, for mo most of the game, the Lightning never put pressure on Kemper. They never allowed him yeah. to show his deficiencies, and I thought that was a huge right. adjustment in game three. For sure. And, and so, like, in game one, um, after the first period, they got their chances. And, and what did we see? They, they hung three goals on them, right? Game two, they had 16 shots. It was really funny. I was in the elevator going down to do player interviews, and they announced Darcy Kemper was one of the three stars of the game with 16 saves. And I turned to this guy next to me. I'm like, I can't remember any of them. <laughs> right? like, so, like... I agree with you, man. Like when, when they've gotten their chance to put pressure on the dude, um, he's, he's sort of wilted. I mean, they chased him in game three. They put three goals on him in game, in game one. And so you assume if they're able to get more pressure on him in game four, you know, if he starts, we're going to see more of the same. Greg, before we let you run, we're talking to Greg Wyshynski, senior writer for ESPN. 30 seconds, so you're on the lightning tomorrow. Do you dare go under the total of six overs 3-0 and so far? <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted by it, um, but I think where I'm going to go on, on the total is probably over in the first, mm. uh, which to me seems like the smartest bet. I'm not sure what the number is on that right now, but that's kind of like where I'm looking. But again, uh, to me, um, Moneyline, Lightning, 2-2 going back to Denver and, and may the best team win a best of three. Sounds good to me. 
Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Always appreciate the insight. Enjoy your time in Tampa, Greg. Anytime. Thanks for having me. There he is, Greg Wyshynski. He's riding with the King's Lightning. Smart people saying smart things. The nightcap here on the This is the Nightcap on v At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The Sports Betting Network. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's Daily Best Bets. That includes Adam Burke's Daily MLB Best Bets, NFL preseason coverage, premium articles on golf, UFC, whatever you want, we have it here at VEASAN. So if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features the Daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it that cost only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vsin.com slash summer. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN. Always great to have Greg Wyshynski, easy for me to say, on the show as the Padres just go yard. 2-2. Doesn't, doesn't matter to it you, doesn't. though, show. Ticket cast, baby. Eric Hosmer going yard, and uh, they just show a bearded gentleman go, <laughs> oh, clearly uh, dropped the home run ball there. Yeah, I think that put him in danger on his ticket. I'm not sure exactly ah. what ticket. Maybe he had no runs in the sixth. I think he had. I Maybe won- in-game bet, no runs in the sixth. I think he said, I wanted to catch a home run ball, and I just. No, because it's bottom of the sixth, two outs. So maybe he took the in-game. Maybe. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. I think he just feels like a dope for dropping a home run ball. Yeah. Meanwhile, How? the uh, relievers in the uh, Blue Jays and White Sox just continue to be magicians. Yeah, it's uh, five to four in the bottom of the tenth in uh, in Chicago, and we'll see. Is this going to tie it up? No. Bases loaded. One out. Bottom ten in uh, in Chicago. They're showing the guy again. He's 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 mad. He's <laughs> going like this. <laughs> Drop the ball. I can so see you. That's how you are at the. Uh, at the game, I can definitely see that. I'm getting some offense from the Mariners. This is good. I have never been out five zero. I've never dropped a foul ball, nor have I caught a foul ball. I've never been or a home run. Ball. I've never been to a baseball game where I was in a position to catch. Yeah, you an actual ball front row. Well, I've only been. Well, I take that back. I did go to a Mets game, and we sat 
right behind the visitors' dugout. I'll never do that again. And uh, well, now you got the nets up. So you're yeah, but back then we didn't have I the know, nets. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we wasn't any nets there. I'll never do that again. Uh, but I generally like to be in the suites. Yeah. Not everyone has that opportunity to sit in the suites like. Uh, yeah, I just like to be. I like to be in the suites. Not all of us have uh, had 85 ratings in Madden before. So. No, they but keep, we gotta get the hookup. They keep showing this poor guy. Just, just let the man live. Did he drop the? Oh, well, he dropped it. Well, they're oh. saying now they're checking if it would clear the fence. So now this poor guy is just on blast. Oh yeah, it's way over the fence. The, oh yeah. yeah. And now they're just showing him. Just, well, I don't know why they get like upset after the fifth inning if like a fan they keeps showing the dude on. <laughs> like, there's got to be rules behind this. Like, did I get another home run? Oh, that is what do you tremendous. have? I've got Mariners, but I've also got over eight. So now it went from 2-0 to 6-0 by top of the seventh. Hopefully we can get another one. By the way, there should be rules on when you can, like, like a fan after the fifth inning, he's obviously had multiple beers at this point. Slightly lubricated? Yeah, he's been hydrating. You know what I mean? Especially in this snoozer of a game. High game in Chicago, 5-5. to Oh, yeah, man. I'm just telling you, these relievers are magicians. I've never seen a group of men better at giving away a lead than this year's Major League Baseball relievers. So, what did, what did Scott bet today? Oh, Scott Seidenberg, you got to be kidding me with this Blue Jays game. Two outs, nobody on, bottom nine, and a 4-2 lead. Now it's 4-4. <laughs> I'm assuming Mr. Seidenberg had the Blue Jays. Yeah, I think that was his uh, play of the day. Uh, his play of the day was Braves' first five. I really just got another home run. It's seven zero. Did you really? <laughs> I need two more runs. I think I got eight and a half. Um, our good friend Patrick Everson going to join us. Top of the hour. We'll get some thoughts on the NBA draft, latest on the Stanley Cup, um, you know, latest on the Browns as well. Um, this is just going to be a constant conversation. It was interesting. We had Mike Sando on earlier uh, on the show, and he brought up an interesting point, Sean, where we asked him about Deshaun Watson. He felt like he was talking to a GM the other day in the league, and he felt like there's a likelihood that he'll land on the exempt list, the commissioner's exempt list, Deshaun Watson. And then once all these lawsuits are figured out, then the suspension could come after that. So, so I love Mike Sando, but I also need some context on which GM this was. That's true. Because it was one in the AFC North. This, of course, he's like, oh, I hope they uh, exempt him next year. And this is spinning the year. They don't want to see Deshaun Watson. So <laughs> it kind of matters slightly, like, where the GM resides that's, like, giving this opinion. Yeah, so 20 of the, the lawsuits were settled today. But there's still four civil cases out there. By the way, the uh, Tim Beckham just grounded into a – I think a one was that a one two three double play. Have you ever seen four home runs given up in a row? I'm hoping to see that here in Seattle. That would be nice. It'd be great. Well, by the way, Scott Scott Seidenberg's <clears throat> ticket's still alive. Five to five. It's never easy. White Sox and Blue Jays. It's never easy. No. Like he said, it was That's four two, Blue Jays. Bottom of the ninth. What do you say? Two outs. Two outs. No. Wow. Way. Wow. Yeah. But you get that ghost runner on second base and. Four bullpens. <laughs> Dylan Cease did uh, did get his over today. The, the bad thing is Cease doesn't get credit for the win. Nope. Well, they might not win an entire Well, that's true. They might lose outright. But. Um, 
Uh, is there is there a point, Sean? As as we see here, I I don't agree with this movement. I I don't think today really. I mean, yes, there was settling of of twenty lawsuits. There's still four civil cases out there. If one player, let's just put it this way, if one player had four civil cases against him, that would be a bad thing. I think the 24 movement down to four. I think, but I think the movement is more. This is the first sign of resolution we've seen regarding this whole situation. But I since see, since it initially came, right? This is the first sense of resolution we've gotten. You know, and I think the big thing with the NFL is they want this to actually go away. Like, whatever's going to happen, they want it to go ahead and happen so then they can move forward. Because the one thing he still has in his favor, if he can get these other four settled, is that criminally they decided that there wasn't enough there to press charges. So in the regard, like, obviously Deshaun Watson has an issue. Anytime you have 66 different anythings, like, okay, there's something there, you know. Do you think he plays this year? Yes. If he can get these four settled prior to opening day, I think he gets maybe half a season suspension or something. All right. So let's for our for betting case. Maybe four games. I, I think it's my guess minimum eight. I think I think it's eight. I think it could be the whole season. I'd say it's eight though. So let's say it's eight. Or meet in the middle, six. Mm-hmm. Do they still have a shot to win this division? Not with Jacoby Brissett. Not based on what I saw from Jacoby Brissett last year in Miami. He looked nothing like the Jacoby Brissett that filled in for Andrew Luck four years ago, I think it was, in Indy. Nothing like him. So unless Jacoby still has that Indianapolis Colts Brissett in him, you know, but if, if he looks anything like he did last year in Miami, no shot. Well, you look at the schedule as we pull it up. They open against the Panthers on the road, home to the Jets, home to the Steelers, at the Falcons. I mean, that schedule is incredibly soft to start the year. I mean, those are all teams with win totals. Yeah, but going on the road, I mean, they're going to be fired. Whatever Carolina's best version of themselves is, that's what you're going to get. No, I'm not saying this is, these are easy wins. I'm oh. just saying the schedule kind of plays out if it is a four-game suspension. Yeah. It works out well. Then, if it's an eight-game suspension, then you got the Chargers, the Pats, at the Ravens, home to the Bengals. Listen, I don't like the Browns beating anyone with Jacoby Brissett starting. You know, I think those are 50-50 games all the way around. So, I'm not a Jacoby Brissett guy based on what I saw last year in Miami. I think he's good enough to continue to get a check as a backup, but he's got to start the next four games for us. I don't feel good about that. I think it's eight. Eight? Yeah. I don't feel definitely don't feel good about that. But again, I'm not touching really that 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 whole division because I think that whole division has huge question marks. Like what is Mitchell Trubisky? Not good. I mean who's Lamar Jackson gonna throw the ball to? Like that's why I think there's so much value on the Bengals. Like I they're the only team that kind of has a legitimate idea about what they're going into the season with, and who they are. The Ravens were 8-3 and three before Lamar Jackson got hurt. I just I don't think the, the loss of Hollywood Brown is, is that substantial. Oh. I think they figure it out. I think you might be right. I think they win that division. All right. 
talk to Patrick Everson, our good friend. He will join us next. No one more piped in gambling industry than Mr. Everson. He'll join us next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.